This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Fay Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. What is going on? I'm Rob Fay. Welcome to your Friday edition of Sports Bar Radio. It's the 23rd day of July, and I hope wherever you're listening to this show, it finds you well. Before I get into any component of this show, I do want to say a special shout out to all of the firefighters and first responders in the region that are battling the blazes that are throughout British Columbia and the Pacific Northwest. It cannot go overstated that these guys and girls are doing something extraordinary to help preserve many communities. So please, if you get an opportunity to donate, or if you get an opportunity if you're close by to maybe even drop off some water or some goods to help them as they are putting in monster hours to try and fend off these flames and again, protect communities across our province. One of the things that I have been trying to do over the course of this show, we're about two and a half, three months into this show, is bring you perspective, bring you different guys. Sometimes we'll talk with hip-hop guys, sometimes we'll talk with females who are Olympians, we'll talk to all kinds of people from all walks of life. But every once in a while, I come across a guest where even my eyebrows raise, and I think to myself, boy, how did I score this? Today, I'm going to introduce you to Edward Sylvan. He happens to be the CEO of Sycamore Entertainment, he happens to be the CEO of Segi TV, and he is also the president of the Monaco International Film Festival. Now, this isn't paid. This is just a happenstance where we happen to cross paths. We thought it'd be great to sit down and have a conversation, and today you're going to learn about a lot of things. In addition to the film industry and what it means to be a minority trying to fight your way through the film industry, you're going to learn that Edward and his Segi TV company is also very big into esports. And what I mean by esports is e-racing and even the upcoming event that's going to be taking place here in Vancouver. So yeah, there's a lot to get to with a man that has accomplished so very much. Now, what's cool about this is he's Canadian. He lives in Vancouver. He does all these things abroad, but he does call Vancouver home. Born and raised in Toronto, his family's from Trinidad, worked in the financial sector for years, and then said, you know what, I want to get back into film because that's where my passion lies. All right, I'm not going to give away everything, but I want to welcome into the sports bar, Edward Sylvan. Edward, what a thrill to have you here. Let's talk a little bit about this journey and maybe we'll just start coming out of university after you finished up at York, getting into the world that now you're starting to take control of. You know what, Rob? It started where it is right now in the film business. When I was young, I used to love going to watch the movies. And uh, it was a way for us to, to take our mind off what was going on around us. You know, our family comes from Trinidad and we, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. My mom and dad worked really hard to make sure that we were taken care of. And, you know, we had a roof over our head and food on the table, but that was pretty much it. So, so in terms of entertainment and, and making sure that, you know, we had our minds in the right place, my brother and my sister and I, we spent a ton of time at the movies. And I just fell in love with film and, and studied and, you know, went to school. But it was one film in particular that started this whole thing. And it was the movie Wall Street of all films. I had no idea what was going on in the film. But all I said to myself was, I, I don't know what's going on, but that's as interesting as hell. And I, and I want to learn about that. Incidentally, nobody in my family has ever had any exposure to any of that sort of financial world. So, so I literally had nobody to ask. I just literally saw that movie was inspired by it and coming up in Toronto for us it was Bay Street as opposed to Wall Street in New York and yeah. I just pounded the pavement down there and looked for a job and 
finally landed a job in a mailroom at an insurance company and it took me all over the floors and the exchanges and I just fell in love, Rob, and, and that's where it started. You know, one thing that I'll say, Edward, and I can probably speak to this from experience, you go through this phase where you're too young to hang out with the old guys and then all of a sudden you're too old to hang out with the young guys. Right. And I wonder if that sweet spot when you finally met your stride, when you were finally right where you wanted to be, were you ready for that moment when all of a sudden you realized that you could make the moves you'd always wanted to make? It's a good question. You're never ready, but you just know you have to do it. At the end of the day, if you want to, if you want to just get what it is you're after, sometimes the people around you aren't, don't have what it takes to give you the encouragement. So you just got to step into it. And a lot of the times when I was working earlier on in the business, I knew I didn't understand exactly what was going on, but that created a burning desire to just learn it. And I knew I was ready to take it on. It was intimidating as hell, but the challenge of it, Rob, was just overwhelming. And I've just been pushing ever since and hit my tipping point. And now things are in a place where I'm meeting people and going places and, and doing things that I would have never dreamed of when I was a kid, Rob. I'm going to save the question that I ask everybody for a little bit later, but hold that thought right there. Um, okay. Edward, I want to talk a bit about Segi TV because sure. we know that you've done great things in the financial sector, but then all of a sudden, again, like full circle, you wanted to get back into the film industry and development of film. Can you tell us a little bit about Segi TV? Can you tell us a little bit about Sycamore Films and just how one led to the other? Sycamore Entertainment was something that uh, my brother Terry and I started back in 2010. And what it was is we were come from a financial background and we watched around us during that time a lot of Wall Street money making its way into the film business. A lot of independent studios and a lot of majors were taking money from Wall Street in these hedge fund deals. And we saw that happening, but there was not a lot of that happening for filmmakers of color. Nothing was happening and, and none of the deals and none of the financing were going to black filmmakers. And we said that being from the finance industry, my brother and I, we said, who's doing this? And I got together with a, a local young producer, director named Tyrone Dixon in, in LA. And we yeah. started to educate a lot of these black filmmakers on how to put together financial packages, how to structure it, how to speak to investors, how to talk about getting their money back if investors put money in. And from that, Rob, we developed the company Sycamore Entertainment, and that's where it all started. I would assume when you take that on that you run into hurdles that maybe not a lot of people are even aware of. I mean, you're acutely aware of it because you're facing it head on, but I think right. there is kind of a, a blinder effect to the common person that maybe doesn't realize the challenge that a, you know, an Afro-American man or an Indian man or an Asian man would face walking into these rooms. Without getting into particulars and names, can you maybe educate us a little bit on some of the hurdles that you saw early on, whether it was for yourself or maybe somebody that you're helping along? Coming from the financial industry, Rob, first of all, working in that industry, there's absolutely not a lot of people that look like me. I, I believe I was the only one in my firm at the time. I was working for a company called Nesbitt Thompson back then, before they merged with Burns Fry to become Nesbitt Burns. There was nobody that looked like me at all. So a lot of the times when you're speaking to people who are of means and wealth, there's a trust issue. So dealing with people like myself, there was that lack of trust. So it took me extra long to develop trust among investors and clients in order for them to have that trust in me to work with me. So something that came easy to somebody who was Caucasian, it took me 
months and months and years to develop that same level of trust just to get to the same place. So what took somebody a year to achieve took us three, four, five years to get to the same place. Those were the challenges we faced and we face them today. There's probably several forks in the road that you faced over your time and some people would wither away and other people use those opportunities to fuel the fire. Was that something that you looked at and said, you know what, even if it doesn't happen to me, even if I am the person that simply blazes a trail, I'm going to do this so that the next person that walks through doesn't have to run through the ropes that I had to run through. You know what, you hit it bang on, Rob, because I knew that I wasn't going to give up and failure wasn't an option for me. I knew that I had to put the time in. I'm a big sport fan. And I grew up watching, you know, I'm going to age myself, but I grew up watching guys like Dr. J and then after him, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan. I watched those guys. And one thing that's consistent in basketball is these guys put the work in. And I realized I'm not a basketball player, but when you want to achieve something, you got to put that work in. So I wasn't going to give up. I saw it as a challenge. I knew that if I just put in the time served, it was going to happen for me because I've seen it happen for other people in other disciplines. So I wasn't going to let it go just because I had some, let's call them what they are, failures. I, I've had just straight out failures, but I never let that deter me at all because I knew at the end of the day, if you put the work in and you put the time in, you're going to get what it is you're after. He is Edward Sylvan, the CEO of Sycamore Entertainment and also Seggy TV. And Ed, that's where I want to go next. Let's talk about Seggy because I love what you guys stand for. I mean, sure, you have so many options when you turn on your television or any of your social devices, but I love that you right now are building a platform that is available to all ethnicities. You're available to all sexes, all races, all cultures, all religions. That I never thought I would see, and yet you're blazing that trail as well. Can you introduce us to Seggy TV? Seggy TV is a over-the-top platform. So we're available on all the devices that we know and love now, everything from Roku to Amazon to the iOS app to the Android app, and pretty much any device that you have in any operating software, you can pretty much get Seggy TV. One of the things that we wanted to focus on, Rob, was there's the Netflix of the worlds and the HBO Maxes and the giants out there. And they're all showing films that speak to and touch on black issues and East Indian issues and Asian issues. But that's just the surface. We want to actually truly represent the underrepresented because every day we're making up a percentage of the overall society and the overall consumer dollar but nobody's addressing us in terms of what our issues are, what our cultures are, and actually bringing those stories to the forefront. A lot of these filmmakers, they don't have a deal at William Morris Agency. They don't have agents. They don't have managers. They're just quality and skilled filmmakers, and nobody's speaking to them. So we wanted to go and go after those stories and bring them to the forefront because there's an audience for every story that's told out there. And we want to represent that niche and we want to be able to tell their stories. And that's the basis of what SEGI TV is about as we go, as we go further. I noticed when you got involved with Extreme E, which to right. me is definitely the wave of the racing future, that you were involved with something that I think is socially responsible, which is taking on a new form of racing that addresses right. some of the climate challenges globally. Right, absolutely. I think everybody, you know, the writing is on the wall for combustion engines. Their days are numbered. And this is a form of racing that will highlight the technology and the R&D that's going behind the electrification of vehicles. But beyond the racing, Rob, one of the mandates that really got me involved and really had me jump in and say yes to extreme me was the equality factor. Because yes. every, every race team mandates that of the two drivers, 
one must be male, one must be female. The only other sport, professional sport, that mandates a pro is mixed doubles tennis. So this is the only other sport that does it at the professional level. And it's just a wake-up call to the world that equality is something that we need in not only sport, but in, in the workplace, all everywhere. And this racing series is putting its money where its mouth is and really pushing the equality initiative, which is something that I'm all for. And I love that you're taking these races to some of the most remote regions of the world and explaining the story of Mother Earth, which I think is on its own so admirable. But I will tell you this, Ed, and I say this honestly, as a guy that did his university in Indiana, just a couple hours away from the Brickyard, when I found out that you were pairing up with Chip Ganassi Racing, my eyebrows <laughs> raised significantly because now you're talking about the big boys. How big did boy. that relationship come to be? That relationship came to be as a function of uh, Sycamore Entertainment. As you know, we're a publicly traded company, and uh, so we have a we have a significant amount of shareholders and stakeholders that that invest in our company. And and the thing about how I run Sycamore is that a lot of the stakeholders, a lot of the shareholders, a lot of the investors have come to be friends of mine. I speak to them over social media. And we, we stay in communication. We I update them. As some of them I've never met face to face, but we speak. We've been speaking for years. And the Chip Ganassi relationship came from one of the shareholders of Sycamore Entertainment. He's he's actually an individual that works for Chip, and he's an individual who designs the the liveries for the cars. As somebody who raced carts when I was young and loved racing, I said to him, half jokingly, but I said, you know, one of these days I'm going to sponsor one of your cars. That conversation led to months and months and months of conversations. And the next thing you knew, I was on a phone with Chip himself talking about that. And the rest is history. And now we're on his uh, number 99 car for Extreme E. And we're on his number 10 car, Alex Pelot, driving in, in the IndyCar series. It's like a dream come true. Sometimes I got to pinch myself. Number 99 on any car in Vancouver is a big deal because that was Greg Moore's <laughs> number as well. Now, you're a guy from Vancouver. You're a guy that now understands that there is a, a pretty big e-race that is coming to this city as well. I want your thoughts on that. Formula E all of a sudden saying that, you know what, we're coming back to Vancouver because I used to cover the Molson right. Indy when it was the likes of Greg Moore and Paul Tracy, Jacques Villeneuve. To have it back, I mean, this is a big racing town, and yet this is the type of race that I think Vancouver could really embrace. Absolutely. I think there's no better city of all the cities on this circuit that's more conducive of what Formula E is than Vancouver. And the, the people who are in charge of the race, Formula E operations, they've intimated that on many occasions that they would love nothing more than to race in Vancouver. And now it's a reality because of our whole outlook on sustainability, on inclusion, on diversity here, in, like nothing exemplifies it like a Vancouver. And just, just, and just, you know, that's one thing. Just the backdrop, the beauty of the Vancouver city is is amazing. Formula E is conducive of very tight circuit racing in the downtown cores. We had pretty much a, a track laid out in part because of Indy and the landscapes and the people and the international city that this is. It deserves a race, and we're happy to be a part of that narrative going forward and, and there's a and there's a lot to come from from steggy tv with respect to that what would it mean to you personally ed to be a guy that you know has obviously ties to vancouver you're a canadian you're a local to have a team and a race here in the city what would it mean to you personally it would mean the realization of a, of a personal goal to to be a stakeholder in my city to do something as significant as bringing awareness 
to the future, which is electrification of vehicles and all the things that Extreme E and Formula E stand for. And to be on the forefront of that, to be a leader, to be a change maker, it's just everything that I stand for. It's everything that I believe in. And to be able to do it in my hometown as one of the stakeholders in the race, as well as the, the teams, would just be a dream come true and it would mean everything to me. And the other thing, Rob, is I just want to be able to, to share it with as many local people as possible because, you know, Vancouver is my adopted city. I've literally been living in Vancouver now more years than I ever lived in my hometown of Toronto. So this is my second city. It's my home now. And I want to do something as significant as bring that awareness to the world because Formula E is a global event and the whole world is watching all of those races. I think it's going to take one race and people in Vancouver are going to get it. And a couple more just before we wrap up. I know that everybody assumes that when you see a label on the side of the car that they're just oozing money, but you've had to work hard to get to this point where you can engage in these kind of conversations and these kind of sponsorships. What would you say to sponsors out there that are still on the fence as to, you know, do they want to get involved with racing? Do they want to get involved with Seggy and, and Chip Ganassi racing and everything that you've built? I mean, if you were a, an outsider looking in, what would you tell them about what you guys are up to and, and where you guys are at? I would tell them that right now, it's more important to be a good global and corporate citizen than to focus on profits at this stage of growth and change. For a lot of corporations, you don't want to be on the wrong side of that. You really want to take a chance. You really want to do something that's changing, life-changing, not only for your company, but changing the quality of people's lives. And so I urge sponsors and investors and people who this might be new to, to look into something that is the future. It's not very often that you're on the cusp of something like as, as, as groundbreaking as the electrification of vehicles and the saving of the environment. I, if you look back, the, the last time something as, as life-changing as this happened, it was the advent and the commercialization of the computer. And look how that's changed our life. And this is the next phase of that. So I say to sponsors, I say to investors, you know, have a good look at it. It's a good business decision. It's how people are going to decide on how to spend their money. They're going to look at you and decide on what are you doing in order to improve the environment. And you really want to be sincere when you answer that question. I find that there's one consistent narrative through all of your journey, whether it was in the financial sector or even right now in the racing community and what you're doing with films to this day you've got a really good gauge and you've got a really good social conscience. Where does that come from? You know what? It came from seeing my parents come from where they were born in Trinidad to a foreign place and accept all of the things that were foreign to them and just be good to everybody. Because at the beginning of our journey, people weren't really good to us because we were very different. And I always, I saw that and I experienced it and I lived it. And, and one of the things that just made me think about as a young person and as an adult is just, you know what? You always have to just think of other people. You always have to just do what's right and do what feels good and accept the change. And I just, it just comes natural to me because of how my parents and I seen them struggle. But throughout the struggles, they were always just the kindest people and always looked for and considered others, even in their struggle. And it's just something that our family has just always been about. And I'm going to take you to the time machine for my final two questions, Ed. I appreciate this. And just work with me on this one. Let me go back to your childhood. You go into your mom's kitchen or your dad's kitchen. What's the meal you're asking for? I'm asking for curry roti uh, with chickpeas and, uh, and a sorrel, which is the drink. <laughs> <laughs>
I remember in Toronto growing up, and I had no idea what ting was. And then all of a sudden, I went to Carabana once. I had the hottest beef patty I've ever had in my life. And I, I, I was able to quell the pain with a couple of tings. And you know what? It's funny. is Fast forward 25 years, and I happened to stumble across a place on Commercial Drive, and they sold the exact same thing. And I tried the same patty, and it wasn't nearly as hot. That was that's yeah. rhythm and spice on commercial. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for it. That's <laughs> and, a great question. <laughs> I no, love it. I, I think about that all the time because, you know, the last question that I'm going to hit you with is a little more generalized, but I just love everything that you've mentioned all seems to symmetrically work back to just having good principles and good morals and good standards, which I would want to do business with a person like that. There has to be an origin. So I love taking myself back to your, your parents' kitchen and just realizing that this is a kid that just used to eat curry roti and, you know, washed it down with something nice, but let's, <laughs> let's, um, let's finish up with a question. It's, it's the question that I ask every guest that I have on the show. It doesn't matter who it is, athlete, musician, okay. entrepreneur, what have you. Take me to one place in your life where you looked around and said, how the heck did I get here? Some, you know, it could be on a date with your future wife. It could be along, you know, Robert De Niro. It could be anywhere. One place where you looked around and said, how the heck did I get here? Can I give you two, Rob? I take three, two? whatever you want. The first place that I got to when I asked, how the hell did I get here was in the delivery room when I had my first daughter. <laughs> I was like, what am I, you know, that was the the most uh, um, sobering moment of my life. Seeing Absolutely. That. That, you know, I, I'm like, you know, I was a young guy and I was, and I was literally becoming a father in real time. And I was like, wow, you know, that was, you know, and I think about that a lot, you know, as I'm, as I'm older and, and, and I use that for, you know, because it was that fear that I felt. And knowing that I was terrified, but also knowing it doesn't matter how scared you are, Ed, you got a job to do, bro. Mm -hmm. That sort of drives me in my business and, and because it's scary out here in business, you know. And then on the professional level, I was literally standing on the red carpet in, 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 um, at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel with Meryl Streep with a thousand cameras pointed at us as they as the, as we walked down the red carpet and 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 uh, greeted each other and, and over one of the largest events of the evening just the day before the oscars and i'm like how the hell did i get here you know and and and, and, and i'll never forget that <laughs> that might talk now i have long said ed the greatest one that I've heard maybe prior to what you just dropped was um, a baseball player named Tony Tarasco said okay. that when he was playing with the Atlanta Braves one night, the boys took him out and they went to a hip hop session, you know, because, you know, baseball players get access to things that not the common man does. And it right. ended up being DeBrat laying down functified. And he oh, was on wow. the other he, and he was on the other side of the glass. And up until this moment, that has stood the test of time. But walking <laughs> on the red carpet with Meryl Streep. I yes, think he yeah. might have just gone to the front of the line. Yeah, you know, and the funny part about it is when you're like when you're watching their video, a lot of times you don't people don't get to see the thousands of cameras pointed at her. Mm -hmm. So they're pointing at me and I've never been in that position before. And I was like a deer in the headlights, but I was <laughs> I, I was so happy to be able to be there. And I'm like, wow, you know, this is a culmination of a lot of the things that I've done and, and dreamed about. And, you know, it, it was uh, it was it was great. It was a great well, day. I'm going to slide this one, Ed, just because I want to make sure that we round out this interview and let people know that you're into more than just e-racing. 
the film industry has really embraced you, have they not, over the last couple of years? I mean, one of the biggest film festivals in the world basically tapped you on the shoulder and said, you're our guy. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that, uh, um, you know, that's a function of just being in the relationships, spending time in Monaco. A lot of my associates uh, developed those relationships and I kind of stepped into a relationship and it worked. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to really take advantage of it because the appointment came in the middle of COVID when everything was shut down and, and, and we weren't able to get the festival off. So that's something that I, I hope to get back to and, and really use my talents and my relationship uh, to make something of it in the future. But but absolutely, you know, I, you know, I started off watching movies and wanting to be the people in the films. And now I'm making filmmakers dreams come true and, and getting their films out there for the world to see. It's just it's just an amazing journey. And the journey is only starting. Believe me, you know, we have a long way to go. It is a movie script onto its own. And I really appreciate your time today. This means a lot to me that we finally got together, but more that we get to spread the word about not just Seggy TV and Sycamore Films and all the things that you've done, but just the impact that you're having in your community. It means a lot to so many people. I, I, I say this to people like you often, and I hope you understand this. There's a child out there tonight that has no idea that because of your efforts over the last couple of years, their journey towards their dreams just got easier. And I think you really have to remember those little details. And sometimes it takes a common dude like me to remind you that right. that is the things that you're doing have such an impact that are going to stand the test of time. So keep doing what you're doing. I, I, I'm inspired by you. I understand what you represent. And I will follow you guys wherever you go, because I think your companies and you in particular uh, have your heart in the right place. So, Ed, you're welcome on this show anytime. Thank you so much, Rob. And again, congratulations on everything you do. You know, I've been following you through our relationships for a long time and and um your your journey is just as amazing and, and and the fact that you just keep pushing it and being brave out there it's it's what inspires guys like me so thank you for giving me this platform that you've the, you've built to share my message as well there's an old adage just keep pedaling forward and eventually you'll get to the store and thank you for this let's do this again absolutely thank you so much rob there he is, Edward Sylvan, and again, if you're a Vancouver racing fan, the upcoming event is something you're going to definitely want to circle on your calendar. What a great story. I mean, what a success story when you think of everything that that young man has been able to accomplish in his life. It's, uh, it's definitely inspiring. Okay, we're going to wrap this up. Yeah, Sports Bar Radio is in the books for another week. Next week, we've got a boatload of guests coming through. We're going to talk to Olympians. We're going to talk to doctors and scientists. It is going to be the broadest spectrum of guests that I think we have ever had come through this show over the course of a calendar week. We're going to talk about gambling. We're going to talk about all of it. And that's why you got to check back in on Sports Bar Radio five times a week. That's right. We're here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And more than anything, we bring you content. Yeah, we're going to talk about the world of sports, but we're also going to educate you on a number of different things. That's why when you come to the Sports Bar, you never know what you're going to expect. I want to say thanks to Jay Swing, my brother from another. Uh, you've done such a great job producing this show. Thank you so very much. And to the team over at Equity Guru, I couldn't do this show without you. Chris Perry, you continue to build a monster. Looking forward to working on the wrestling endeavors with you as well over the course of the weekend. My thanks to Galen, my thanks to J.P. Chung, and the irreplaceable Priscilla Choi. Until you and I get together on Monday, I am Rob Faye. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for liking. And most importantly, thank you for sharing what we're doing. This has been Sports Bar Radio. I'll talk to you in a couple of days. 
Sports Bar Radio was brought to you by Equity Guru, investment information for the new generation. Visit us at equity.guru and let's make some money together. Please note, any mention of companies on this podcast is part of a promotional campaign, and the information you hear should be a part of extensive due diligence. As well, always get advice from an accredited financial advisor before you make any investment decision. Protect yourself.